Yeah. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're excited about another day we get to worship together. Amen. And honor our God this morning. Amen. And just focus on him and learn more about him and, and build on this relationship that we have with him. And so we just want to greet everybody this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just thank God for you joining us this morning, chiming in. We know it's going to be a blessing to you this morning. Anytime you get together with the saints for fellowship and communion in the Holy Ghost, man, and talk about the Lord and worship him together in the beauty of holiness and in unity, that spiritual harmony and love. I mean, it just builds us up and we're able to exalt one another, man, in Christ Jesus. So we're very excited about this morning. Know the word going to be a blessing to you. So be praying with us, praying for us this morning. Uh, we're Pastors Lester and Sharon Hayes, pastors, amen. And we're a non-denominational ministry. We believe in preaching and teaching sound doctrine. Just let the Holy Spirit have his way. Once the word goes out, we know it's not going to come back for us. We know it's going to fall on good ground, even break up solid ground if it needs to, because there's power in the word, amen. So get your ears ready, put them on. You're going to hear what God has got to say to you this morning. Know it's going to be a blessing to you this morning. I'm so glad to be here laboring with my wife this morning, Pastor Sharon. Thank God for Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe Davis and Quentin and the, and the, and the praise band who put that awesome presentation together last night. Go listen to it. It'll be a blessing to you. But we thank God, man, and we keep our eyes on the prize. Even, time we, even when we deal with technical difficulties, keep your eyes on the prize and stay focused. This is all a part of worship. It's staying focused and keeping your eyes on the prize. Amen. And so we just thank God for this day and just prepare yourself, get ready. Want you to think about and consider joining us on every Sunday morning, joining us on every morning at 6 a.m., joining us every Wednesday night for our power prayer, and every Thursday night for wisdom call and Bible study at 7:30 p.m., 6 o'clock a.m. daily for our creating a prayer coach for God. And that number now is 712-775-7085. Access code 123-218-pound, and you in. You can also go out there and access any of our 287-plus podcasts since we started this back in December. Love to have you, man, to go out and, and subscribe to us, uh, you know, become one of our subscribers, one of our sponsors. If we're on 45 platforms, this word is going out all over the world, amen, but it's God's word, and be a part of distributing God's word, publishing his word. Invite your friends and come on and join mm -hmm. us, amen. It's enough work for all of us to do, amen. God wants us to be together doing this. And so come on and join us. Amen. Amen. And so now I'll let you talk, uh, hear from my beautiful wife, Pastor Sharon. Amen. Who's got a verbal expression in her mouth put there by God. So pay attention. Amen. Pastor Sharon. Well, praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. So glad to be here with you. Um, I just want to give honor and glory to God because he's so deserving of it. I mean, he is the almighty. He is the true and the living yes, God. Yes, 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 Besides him, above him, there is no other. And as I was reading in my devotion this morning, I went to the book of Psalms, the first chapter, and I was just blessed. And, and for some of us, it's a familiar song. But every day that life comes, these psalms, the word of God is brand new to us every day in each and every situation. Yes. So whether you've heard it before or not, listen to it again. It'll be a blessing to you. And as I begin to read, it talks about the way of the righteous. And if you are the righteous, thank 
God because you are the righteous because of Jesus Christ's righteousness. If you're not the righteous, don't feel left out. You can become the righteous today. You can become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So you see, no matter where you stand in life right now, you have the opportunity to be blessed today, to be blessed with salvation, to be blessed with the Spirit of God dwelling in you, to be blessed with Jesus Christ himself, his righteousness, not righteousness of your own. You got to understand, even those who have given their life to the Lord, we know better than to even think we had anything to do with our very own salvation other than just accepting Christ Jesus. And so I want you to begin to open your heart and your mind because the word is going to be coming very, very soon. Pastor is going to preach a word to us today. And I'm just very excited about it because he started with it this morning on the line, on the prayer culture line, and he's going to continue that very word today. But I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. It, in the book of Psalms, the first chapter, verse number one said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In other words, be careful where you place yourself. Mm. Be careful where you place yourself. It's up to you where you place yourself. And, it, and we have to be careful not to put ourselves in the midst of things that are not of God. Mm. Then he goes on in verse two, he said, but his delight is the law of the mm. Lord, mm. hallelujah. And in his law, doeth he meditate day and night. You gotta think on God's word. Mm. You know, this law we're talking about is really the word of God. And day and night, you need to think on the word. Mm. Don't make it a task for yourself. You gotta understand mm. there's some good things in the word mm. for you. I understand there are some good things in the word for me. So it's very easy to read it so I can see my very own pathway. So I give God glory for that and I give him honor. Now I'm going to get ready to turn you back over to Pastor Lester and he is going to talk to us today about worship. I tell you, we learned so much this morning about worship and it was so good. I'm telling you, my spirit is still licking his lips. It was so good, Pastor. So, you know, right now, I'm just asking for more. So without further ado, and I'm just going to turn you over to Pastor Lester. Come on, Pastor. All bring right. that word. Love you, baby. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank God. Amen. For all of our pastors. Amen. Our ministers, Minister Smith, Minister Biggers, Pastor Sharon, of course, my lovely wife, and Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe, amen, who are out there right now on Cashbox Live, uh, you know, in that support role right now. And we thank God for Brother Quinn, amen, working us through these technical challenges. But I want you to just keep your focus this morning, amen, and to, you know, just thank God. Pastor Sharon was talking about thinking, how we think, 
you know, has a lot to do with the kind of people or the kind of situation, circumstance that we put ourselves in affects the way we think. And we were talking this morning, amen, about worship. Uh, you know, we talked about everything that we do in life is an act of worship. And we have multiple acts of worship. And so everything we do, how we think is an act of worship. How we speak is an act of worship. Yeah. How we live our lives on a daily basis is an act of worship. How we deal with conflict and solve issues, all of these are acts of worship yes. because we waive the right once we get saved amen, to not do anything else but worship God. So everything is an act of worship. And I want to speak, you know, to pick up and continue from a subject that God dropped in my spirit uh, a few days ago. And my wife and I and Pastor Irving, Pastor Fever, we've been having many, many discussions. Uh, them yesterday, they, they, they told us this morning that they were talking yesterday about worship. And Pastor Sherry and I yesterday driving back home was talking about worship. And we really explored and delved into this situation. And we discovered so many other things about worship that we never even considered. Amen. Because we have just shrunk worship down to one thing, one slice of the pie. And we forgot about <clears throat> all the other aspects or acts of worship that, you know, that, you know, bring all the pieces together. And our whole life is supposed to be about worship. And so we delved into this situation this morning. I spent some time in intimacy with God and just began to let him minister to me last night for about three hours about this subject. And uh, how this came to be is uh, the other day I was sitting there at my counter where I spent a lot of time in, in the presence of God, studying the word of God. And uh, he began to speak to me in the spirit. And he said, what is your spiritual acts of worship? Because I was thinking about everybody else. I have my list of play songs, worship songs I was going through, which is what I do. It's like my ritual. It's like what I do all the time. And some of you and everybody got their playlist. And I was just going down the playlist and Pastor Sharon and I was just bouncing all these beautiful songs and these beautiful, you know, uh, uh, devotionals that we have that we listen to, man. It just takes us to another place. And right in the midst of that, I just heard God speak to me and say, what is your spiritual acts of worship? Yeah, I know what those, those, those artists are saying. I know what those songs are doing to you. But when you take away the music, he said, what is your spiritual acts of worship when you take away the music? And he said, if you got music and you're doing all of this, then guess what? You should discover what your personal acts of worship is so that you can do the same thing without the music. You know, and so I was like, I was like pondering that. I was stuck right there. And so I said, well, I need to do something with this right here because I started thinking about all the people we know in ministry, all the people we know out there that have this one dimensional view of what worship is. And they go to church looking for praise and worship, the best song, the choir. And they think that's right there conclusively is what worship is all about. And so I went into a, you know, a deep, deep meditation, a deep, deep study to try to pull some things out that could help me to understand my own personal acts of worship so that I could be able to share with others and expand you know, uh, your, your, your view of worship so that you don't get just locked into one slice of worship. Amen. Which is good. Don't get me wrong. Singing and song, all that is really good. But that's not the end of, of, of worship. That's not the all-inclusive part of worship. There's so much more. And hopefully you'll see and hear some of that this morning. And so just to review a little bit about what we talked about this morning, I would encourage you to go and access that podcast this morning on the creating a proud culture of God. And it'll all link together what I'm going to continue to talk about today. But just some of the things that I talked about this morning under this uh, subject of what is your 
uh, your spiritual acts of worship. And I'm asking that question to you because it was asked to me. You don't have to give me an answer, but I want you to consider upon and think about that, you know, because everything we do is supposed to be worship unto God. Amen. Everything our hands find to do, everything we do, the way we think, everything, okay, has to be worship unto God, has to honor him. Amen. And so I asked the question this morning, what is your worship attitude? We learned that worship has everything to do with attitude. It starts with attitude. You know, uh, uh, it determines your altitude. It determines how high you go in God. You know, that attitude. We saw that with Cain and Abel. Remember, Cain had a certain attitude about how he felt about offering something to God. You know, just do something at God. And that's what a lot of people do sometimes. Lay with sins and go into church and outshot everybody. But get outside the church, man, there's a hell race. You know, that they call that worship. Well, we was in church, so I worship while I was in church. But I'm out here now, so I'm going to do my thing. You know, shake my booty groove thing. You know, I'm not in church right now. And so, you know, what is your attitude about worship? We know Abel had the right attitude. He took serious consideration before he went before God to offer God anything. Pastor Sharon and I was talking after, the, after this morning about even now he's dead, but his voice continues to speak from the ground, you know. So guess what? That's what worship would do for you. Worship would keep your voice alive even after you're gone, you know. And we see that. So worship is more than just that song, those songs. Worship is about the attitude of the heart, amen, the attitude that you present it with, and it determines your altitude. And we said that, you know, do you want to see change in your life? Do you want to see change in the world? And I know we all do. And here's what I heard the Lord say to me this morning when he posed that question to me. What is your spiritual acts of worship? He said, do you want change? It's connected to your worship. I said, yes, Lord, I do. He said, well, then change. So I had to change and expand my view about worship. That it's not just about my song list, not just about certain artists and certain services and worship services that we call this service. And we welcome you to this non-denominational worship service. But we're going to learn a whole lot more about worship today. And he said, well, then change. And so I'm changing by sharing uh, this with you. And he says, what is your attitude without the music? It ought to be your attitude with the music. Shouldn't be no different. You know, you should not, it should be no difference. And we talked about the three attitudes that we saw in the book of John, the fourth chapter, verses 19, I want to say through 20, 24, 25. And everybody knows, knows this particular story right here where this woman, a Samaritan woman came to the well and found Jesus there. And we taught this this morning, so you can go and access that or you can go read that. But there are three attitudes that jumped out at me about worship because that whole text is about worship. It's about worship, even though there are multiple things that took place at that bit, at that well. But it's really about worship. That's the subject, their worship. And we can learn a lot and draw a lot from those three attitudes. Now, we saw Jesus' attitude. And remember Jesus' attitude, everything he did was worship to his father. And he says it right off the bat. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That was his worship. I'm going to do everything I do. When I talk to this lady, when I talk to my disciples, when I do ministry, whatever I say, whatever I'm doing at this well, whatever I've done on my way to this well, it was worship. He had the right attitude. And he had been with those disciples. They had been with him. They seen the miracles. They seen his ministry. They seen his teaching. They benefited from it. They heard from it. And now they get to the well and hear these attitudes come out. And Jesus' attitude did not change. You know, he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. So that's that attitude of worship you got to have where you stay focused. You know, you get fixated on God, whatever your hands find to do, whatever you think, whatever you say, you know, how you live, all of that makes up worship. Those are your acts of worship. 
Even in the midst of this pandemic, you still got to stay focused. Even in the midst of unemployment, you still got to stay focused. Even in the midst of corrupt government, you got to remember, we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation under God. We are a peculiar people, and we've been called out, consecrated, separated, sanctified unto the Lord with this word, which is true. We are meek for the master's use. You know, we are that. And we got to stay focused because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the ones that have to show forth the praises unto him that have called us out, you know. And so we got to keep the right attitude so we don't lose focus, okay? And Jesus did not lose his focus just because he was at the well dealing with a Samaritan woman. Now, check this out. This is very, uh, uh, very uh, relevant to the day. She was considered by the whole Jewish race at that time to be unclean. Unclean. And so just because right now there are some problems with, with, with hygiene and all that, we can't stop worshiping God just because I ain't in the church and I can't be close to you. Come on. I still got to worship God. I can't use that as an excuse, but we ain't in church. He dealt with that lady. I don't know how close they were together, but I know he dealt with her with the right attitude about worship. It was not about her. It was about his father's will. Okay. And then you had the attitude of the disciples. They were more concerned about their physical needs. They were more concerned about food, being tired and all that, and how long the journey was and all that stuff, you know, and, 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 and wanted to know, why are you talking to her? You know, she's not clean. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. Some of these people right now that God is healing from, 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 from this uh, COVID-19 are going to end up being some of the most powerful worshipers we've ever seen or ever heard. Some of them are doing it right now because they're talking about how God has healed them, how God has brought them back. You know, and so he's looking for that worshiper before he looks for your worship. He looks for your worship before he looks for your song. Get that right now. A lot of times we want to do the song and we don't want to live the worship. And so here it is. So, you know, he's dealing with this woman where she's at. But I love her focus. I love her attitude. She said, you sound like a prophet. Look at how she started thinking just off a few conversations, a few words with Jesus. She recognized right away he's different. He's not like everybody else. He's even having a conversation with me. See, that's worship right there, having a conversation with God about him. Not about you, not about your woe is me. It's about him. And right away, she recognized in the conversation, I, I hadn't heard nobody talk like this in a while. I've been out of this well on no happy many times. You know? And, and here he is having a conversation with me. That was worship. It's a conversation, but the focus is about him. And she said, you sound like a prophet. In other words, in the Jewish culture, which she was understanding about prophets, they had great respect for prophets because they knew they spoke, they foretold things that God had revealed to them. You read the book of Amos chapter 3, verse 7, the King James Bible, it tells you that. And I'm not talking about these folks running around out here right now with these self-appointed titles, <coughs> calling themselves prophets and prophetess, ain't got no worship in them. Ain't got no worship in them. They beg too much to be worshipers. They beg too much to be talking about what God said, you know. And so she recognized right away her attitude changed. Just a conversation with Jesus and her attitude changed. Let me tell you something. Uh, a conversation with Jesus about who he is, telling him who he is, that's why we worship him for who he is. It changes everything. It changes your life. Three things happened to her with that attitude. Her life was changed. Come on. Her thinking was changed. Her speaking was changed. And again, her life was changed. She left that encounter, man, that few minutes of worship, she left there, man, totally changed. Totally different perspective. Just a few minutes in his presence. That's what worship will do to you. That's real worship. 
And then you got the disciples, they had an attitude too. Their attitude was more concerned about their belly, more concerned about satisfying that physical flesh, making it feel good, going to get something to eat. And I love Jesus. He dismissed them to go ahead and take care of that. You know, so there are those three attitudes. Jesus' attitude was to do the Father's will. Her attitude, you know, was to relate to him as a prophet, to change her thinking, change her speaking, and change what she did. We know how she left that well, running, telling everybody about a man who told all about herself. That's what happens in worship. It removes the shame, so you're no longer ashamed to try to hide. You go tell everybody, I'm free now. I don't care what you think about me now. I'm free. I've been in the presence of God. He freed me. He told me some things, man, no man could ever tell me. And I was okay with it. She changed her attitude. Worship did that for her. And so see those three attitudes right there <clears throat> about worship. And we gave some scripture this morning that talks about brokenness, a contrite heart, you know, a contrite spirit. God don't despise uh, one of those over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, verse 15, the King James Bible. Also in the book of Psalms, chapter 51, verse 17, the King James Bible. And the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 34, verse 17 to 19, the King James Bible. And we learned that because we knew that true worship is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And uh, we looked at a passage of scripture in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 11 through 21, the King James Bible. But I don't want to go over all those verses. You can read those in your own time. Get, the, get the, uh, the, the, the recording from this morning. But there's one verse in there I want to pull out, and that's verse 17. The book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 17, the King James Bible. Listen at what this right here talks, what it says. You know, it lets us know that as he is, okay, in the world, so are we. I mean, as he is, so are we in the world. You know, it says, as he is, so are we in the world. Okay, because as he is, it says, herein is our love made perfect, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. So how is Jesus? He's our high priest and assessor. He's still right there worshiping the Father. <clears throat> He's still right there, the right hand of the Father, pleasing the Father. He's still being an advocate for us. He's still interceding for us. Whatever he's doing is worshiping to the Father. He's still pleasing the Father right now, even though they're one and the same. The whole time he was on this earth, he said, look, when you see me, you see the Father. He did everything he was supposed to do to honor his Father. That's worship. Even when he dealt with those who persecuted him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's worship. If you read those verses right there, it'll tell you about love. He said, how can you say you love God? You ain't never seen hate your brothers every day. That whole, those whole verses, all those verses right there, talks about that love, talks about all those encounters that Jesus had. And everything he did, was to satisfy and please his father. That was worship. Not only what he said, but what he did. His lifestyle. Everything we do is our act, make up our acts of worship. Amen. And so that brings us to the day we're going to pick up this discussion. Just did a by way of a little review from this morning. Uh, this is our Sunday morning undenomination of worship service. Isn't that awesome? With pastors and myself and Pastor and Pastor Stephen M. Uh, the ministry we pastor, the church is over 725 East Calhoun Street, Bainbridge, Georgia. And Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe, they're up in Richmond Hill, Georgia. Amen. But we come together and we partner together in ministry. We labor together in ministry. Amen. And all our church members are on here this morning. Amen. Out there via live, uh, Facebook and Zoom this morning, listening in on this. And we pray that it be a blessing. But most of all, I want you to feel welcome this morning. And now that we've gotten our attitudes adjusted, Let's kind of pick up where we left off at this morning. 
amen, answering the question about true worship that God through Jesus Christ is seeking and searching for in spirit and in truth. That's so important, amen. And as we attempt this morning to further explore this so-called broad, multifaceted subject, I would argue that it is not uh, a one-dimensional thing, but a multidimensional uh, uh, event, worship is. It covers a whole lot of, of different slices, different types, dis different forms. And until uh, all of us are called worshipers, or all those so-called worshipers out there, worship leaders and worship services, uh, we are all traditionally worshiping God. I just want to call that out to you. Until we come into that knowledge of, of worshiping God in spirit and in truth, we're all out there doing traditionally what we do. It's just like the woman at the well. All she could relate to was where they worship, where they worship, not what they worship and who they worship. And there's a lot of folks right now, you're more concerned about getting back in the church because that's where you worship. You want to hear your choir. You want to see your praise team. You want to see your dancers. You want to even sing your song. You know, you're concerned about the place of worship being set down right now, being shut down right now. But what about your own acts of worship right now? What, 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 what can you do right now? Everything you do, start with thinking about who he is. should be worship. It should be worship unto him. You don't need the building to worship God. You need a relationship. You know, you need a relationship. You need to recognize who he is. He wants that individual worship. Now, think about what he said to that woman in book of John, chapter 4, verse 24. He says, the hour cometh and now is, okay, when the true worshiper is going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And he says, I'm seeking for such that will worship me in spirit and in truth. So here's the deal. It's not about how well you sing. It's not about your talent or your skill on the keyboard or your voice, your great voice. Thank God for those things. But he wants first the worshiper. See, we're supposed to be his worship. You know, now the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God will begin to initiate the worship, initiate the songs. Okay. In your heart with melodies and hymns, as we read in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, six, verse 18 and 19, you know, you know. And so without the spirit and without knowing the truth about worship, we, we worship in God traditionally. I don't care who you are. You're worshiping God out of your skill. You're worshiping God out of your training. You're worshiping God out of what you rehearsed, you know. But see, when you've got the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is who initiates worship. Not you, because he knows the mind of God. He knows what God wants to hear. He knows. And most of the time, our worship is so far away from the truth, you can hear it in the lyrics of the song. I don't listen to songs that don't talk about Jesus. When this woman met Jesus, the first thing she said, you sound like a prophet. You've got to be able to recognize who you're worshiping and what you're worshiping you know, before worship can begin. And the Holy Ghost is the only one that can bring that back to your remembrance. If you studied it, or maybe you're just adapting to what your ancestor did. Oh, I used to love to hear grandmama sing Amazing Grace, or this or that. What about where you at? What are your personal acts of worship? Where are you at right now? You know, you know. And so that's basically what it comes down to. And that's what God is looking for, you know. However, when it comes to the subject of worship, Right away, anytime you hear worship, I know we react a lot of ways, but anytime now I hear worship, the first thoughts that come to my mind as a Christian, I have to recognize who I am when you talk about worship, ought to be about God, not about your favorite artist. I've been guilty, not about your favorite song. No, not when I, before, before last night, when I heard about worship, I go get my playlist, playlist and I go down the list and find out who I want to listen to right then. That's what it meant to me. 
But after three hours in the presence of the Lord last night, the first thing I said, I'm going to let come to my mind when, when worship comes up is God. Because he's looking for a worshiper that will worship him in spirit and in truth, whether you're in the church, in the choir, got a great voice or not. You know, but the thought should be about God. And when he met, when the woman met him and they talked for a few minutes, the next thing came out of her mouth, you sound like a prophet. And the Lord knew right away, she's a worshiper. She's a worshiper. If I can get her free from all this history, from all this tradition, she will worship me. She'll go tell somebody about me. She'll go be a voice for me. She'll go declare and proclaim the good news. She'll go talk about her freedom and she'll talk about what I just did for her at this well. You know, see, that's worship. That's worship. But you got to have that encounter, that intimate one-on-one -on -one encounter so God can change you. Don't we want God to change everybody else? He want to change you. He said, if you want change, man of God, change. Change. Worship me without the music. Then you'll be able to worship me with the music. You know, vice versa. And I said, Lord, I got it. Right away, the first thing that should come to your mind, child of God, when it comes up, when the subject of your worship come up, is God. You have to associate your worship with God, not with your favorite choir, not with your favorite artist, your favorite worship leader, your favorite worship service, a place of worship, great voices and, 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 and past and present people that are anointed singers and performers. Instead, <clears throat> our focus should be on the one and what, we worship instead of the places and people or our acts of honor should jump out praise and reverence for the God of our worship, okay? Who he is and what he, uh, uh, what is based on what he does. That's what it's gotta be. He's the one that saves you. He's the one that heals you. He's the one that delivers you. And so all of our worship gotta be based on who he is and what he did. And what he did, you know, not on my tradition, not on what I like to do. Uh, and again, that's in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24, this conversation with the lady, you know, with the, with the sister, the Samaritan woman, wasn't even supposed to be out in public. King James Bible, here's what it says. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, and where it must mean, you don't have no choice, worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, Cain had the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit. But I love Noah and his family in the book of Genesis, chapter 8, verse 20 through 22. The first thing they did when that door came open, been cooped up inside. Some folks are locked up right now, man, can't get out. You ought to take full advantage of this time. We are. We are. I'm learning so much about worship right now because we ain't in the building. We ain't in the church. You know, but we still having worship. I'm having my individual, private, intimate time with God. You should invest in doing the same thing. You'll, you'll grow and learn something about God. You know. As soon as Noah and them, that door came open to that ark. They've been cooped up in there, I don't know how long. Maybe 40 days, 40 years. I don't know. But they had been in there for a substantial period of time. And all of a sudden, when that door came down and they stepped out, the first thing they did was they remember what God did. They remembered who he was when he told them, go build this ark. Gave them the dimension and told them how to do it while they was partying and drinking and carrying on with life. God is looking for somebody right now because this is what's going on in this country. He's looking for somebody right now that want to be a worshiper. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be skilled in instruments and singing. You don't have to have any all of that, that, that bells and whistle stuff. He's just looking for someone right now that will recognize that he's God and what God said he would do, he would do, and worship him accordingly. That's what he's looking for. 
And the first thing Noah and them did when they came out that ark, they built an altar to God and they worshiped him. They made sacrifices to him. So worship is about a sacrifice. We are to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God without a spot or without a wrinkle. Get them wrinkles out of your attitude. Get them traditional wrinkles out of your attitude. You know, don't make worship about three fast songs and three slow songs and praise and worship. That's traditionally what we've always done. I love Amazing Grace. You know, love it. But I love the grace of God too, and I can't sing Amazing Grace. So without the music, with the music, worship still must be to him. The one that's amazing, awesome, and incredible. And so it says right there, we have to do it in spirit and in truth. Thank God she recognized who he was. Thank God that we recognize who God is and what God does, and we worship him uh, in, uh, accordingly in the spirit and in truth. And we need the spirit of God to call it back to our remembrance to remind us. That's the truth that he wants us to know. You didn't save yourself. Man didn't save you. Stop talking about your apostle saving your life. Stop talking about his first lady wife saving your life. Give God the credit. Give God the praise. He's the only Savior there is. He's the only wise God, our Savior. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12, that is the only name by which men can be saved. That ought to be the only name come to mind when you start worshiping God. God out of everything else. Change that so that you can have an intimate relationship with God, okay, that breeds worship. And make it a part of your day, everything you do. You were so busy right now trying to get back to work and everything is going on right now. We don't have time to spend intimate quality time with God getting to know him so we can properly worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. He wants that intimacy. He wanted to be individual before he wanted to be corporate. It's easy to go to church and get caught up in the, in the moment in the choir playing and the keyboard that's anointed over there, man. And it's just going on and on and on. You got goosebumps on your arms. You're feeling good. And then you go out there, man, and live defeated. You know, so who you are with the music ought to be the same person you are without the music. If you spend quality, intimate time with God, you take your worship to the worship service. You don't go there to get worship. And you don't go there and sing to people or for people. Our audience is one. I don't care if it's a thousand people in the sanctuary. All of us are worshiping one God. There's only one God, one body, many members, one faith, one baptism. And a lot of churches have choirs to sing to them and sing for them instead of teaching the people that God requires that we worship him in spirit and in truth, not sing to the people. I used to tell people when we had our choir, turn away from the people and face toward the wall. And let's sing together, all of us, toward God, one audience. They thought I was crazy. No, but God wanted us to be one voice crying out to him, not singing to each other and for each other, but singing praises to him, worshiping him together in the spirit of, 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 of harmony, spiritual harmony and unity. And God began to command blessings in that place when we made that little change. That little change. He said, you won't change, change. You know, change your attitude. You know, get that attitude of worship. Make it intimate. You know, When you take people's eyes off of each other, they ain't got to worry about all them frowns, people looking at you saying they out of key. They, they ain't saying that song right. I know how that song goes, you know. Loss of focus out there in the congregation because Pastor Sharon was talking about you got the wrong focus. Your focus need to be on God. Don't lose focus just because you're in church and somebody ain't singing, you know, ain't singing in the right key. They're trying to worship God. What are you trying to do? What is your attitude of worship? 
All of these things takes away from what God requires as worship, spirit and in truth. Get the right focus. If everybody's sitting in there in the seat of the righteous, then guess what? The worship will be righteous. The worship will be aimed and focused at on the right one. <coughs> you know. Then he goes on to say in the book of Revelation, chapter um, 14, verse 7, the King James Bible. Now, we're talking about worshiping God right now. <clears throat> Remember now, Jesus was the example of how to worship his Father God, his Heavenly Father. We're going to talk about how to worship the Father, and Jesus shows us how to do it. And so then we're going to learn that how to worship Jesus, because guess what? He is his Father. You know, he and his Father, one and the same. You see one, you see the other, but both of them need to be worshipped the same way. You know. Here we go. It says in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 7, the King James Bible, we're talking about worshiping God now. It says, saying with a loud voice, fear God. Now, that's reverential fear he's talking about right there. And give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. Begins at the household of faith. That's why we ain't in the building right now. God has been provoked to jealousy, and he judged the worship, and he found out it wasn't about me. It was about your favorite artist. It was about your favorite place. You know, it was about all the bells and whistles. It was about the smoke machines putting, creating clouds in there. It was about all of that, going around, getting the best voices, the best artists, and then begging for money, raising money while you call yourself worshiping God. He said, you know, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. You know, get rid of all that other stuff. Remember, Jesus went in his father's house. He didn't like what he saw. Because it wasn't worshiping God. They was in there money changers, merchandising, throwing any kind of old animals up before God and took away the sacrifice that used to be in the house of God. He said, no, you would not make my father's house a den of thieves and merchandise. And he cleaned that house. He got that whip, that cat out, and he whipped them jokers and cleaned that house and turned over them tables. And he said, my father's house shall be a house of purity. The worship shall be about him, nobody else, nothing else. It'll be a house of purity. I want pure worship, true worship. And if the worshipers are not pure, then the worship can't be pure. It may sound good. It may fancy a lot of people. It may excite a lot of people, you know. But you got all these other abominable spirits up in there, too. You got gay people worshiping God in there, leading choirs, homosexuality in the pulpits. Come on, y'all. These are abominable things. How can they worship God in spirit and in truth? They don't even have the spirit of God. They got the spirit of flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. And they being led by that lust. You remember now, Satan know how to manipulate. He know how to sound good. He know how to sing. He was the day star. He was the beautiful voice in the, in the heavenlies. So don't be confused by that. That's why you've got to spend intimate time with God yourself <clears throat> that you can discern when it's God and it's not some other spirit. And Satan has always used music, man, to throw you off. He's still using it today. Just because it sounds good don't mean that it's coming from a good, a good place. That's why the Holy Ghost got to be the one to initiate the worship. Not you, not the worship leader, not the artist, but the Holy Ghost. And in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18, he tells you that. In your heart. Why? The Holy Ghost is searching our infirmities. He's working inside of us. He's praying according to the will of God. And once that happens, that breakthrough comes, there will be singing and hymns and melodies in your heart unto the Father. Because it's not you, but it's the Holy Ghost. That's the part of the Spirit that he says shall worship me in truth. Because it's during that time that you are convicted because God is beginning to bring back to your memories 
things that you did that are not pleasing to him. And that's what he means when he says a broken heart and contrite spirit, I will not despise because I want you to end up worshiping me out of a clean heart. David said, Father created me a clean heart and renewed within me a right spirit. Why? He knew that he was a worshiper and he knew his worship was tainted. And he wanted it to be acceptable unto God. And how can you be a worshiper, you know, and not worship God in spirit and in truth because you've got stuff in your life that needs to be dealt with. And he said, Father, whatever you do, don't you take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? He knew he couldn't worship. He knew he couldn't worship. He knew he'd have been an empty system, making a lot of noise, just tinkling something, sounding like we're saying nothing. Because it wasn't coming from the Spirit. It wasn't coming from a place of truth. And then he went on to tell the Father, Father, hide your word in my heart that I don't sin against you, because I want to worship you from the depths of my heart. I want to pant like the deer panted at the water brook, so my soul longeth after you. You know. That's what he wanted, man, you know. And the Lord is saying right there, you know, he says, hey, from the fountains of water, from that reservoir, from that living water on the inside, you know, it broke loose in that lady at the well. She got free. She didn't care what they thought about her no more. She knew she had been found out. She knew that she was the one he was looking for, a worshiper, and she, in, in response, worshiped him in spirit and in truth. Then he goes on to say in the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 15, verse 4, uh, the King James Bible, he says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. Look at what he said. Now, all nations, blessed is the nation whose Lord is our God. You know what I'm saying? Righteousness is what exalts a nation. Same thing in the church, y'all. Same thing in the individual life. It's righteousness is righteousness. Regardless of what scale it's on, it's righteousness. And we're the righteousness of God through the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through his blood, not because you did something good, not because you sing well, you know, but because of the blood of Jesus. And if you ain't good and saved, there is no righteousness. You might do some right acts, but that ain't no righteousness. Righteousness comes only through when you accept the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. That's what makes you righteous. Now you can worship and cry, Abba, Father. Some people not going around using the universal name God because they're embarrassed and they're ashamed to talk about Jesus. And so they sing worship songs depending on the audience that invited them and they play it safe. They'll say God. They won't say Jesus. If Jesus ain't in your worship song, I don't want to hear it. He must be glorified. He must be glorified. The lady recognized who he was and what he was. Ain't nobody fooled by them songs. You're trying to get paid. But look at what he said, you know. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy, only holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For the judgments are made manifest. Yes, they are. You will be found out, especially these days. No more faking it to make it. God is exposing this stuff. That's why he doesn't shut the doors of the church. And people still find a way to go about doing what they call worship services, Kanye West and all the rest of them. You need to be very careful, y'all. Pastor Sharon just talked about sitting in the seat of the skunk, lending your ear to a bunch of stuff. It contaminates your ability to worship. And when you leave those places, man, you're going to go one way or the other. Just the way it is. I want to be able to do like that lady. Go talk about Jesus when I leave the presence. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse, 19, verse 9, the King James Bible says this. Then saith he unto me, see thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant 
and of thy brethren and prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. You don't keep the sayings of this Bible. You ain't worshiping God. <clears throat> I don't care how much skill and talent you got. I don't care how much you get invited to a place and all of a sudden you feel like you, you there to worship and lead people in worship and you up there prophesying trying to promote your own ministry. Anybody can remember a few scriptures, man, and throw it in with your song to try to rouse the crowd. But you don't, you don't sing enough about Jesus for me. That tells me, man, that you don't have a personal relationship with him because if you did, that's all you would sing about. Look at what he's saying right there. Worship God. He said, if you've been in this book, you know, if you a fellow servant, John told that angel, get up. Don't, don't bow down to me. I'm not the one. Y'all stop worshiping people. Stop worshiping your favorite artist. Stop worshiping your favorite apostle, your bishop. Stop worshiping your first lady. Tell me how they save your life. Jesus is the only one that saved. His name is the only name by which men can be saved. And John said, look, don't bow down to me. I'm a prophet. I'm a minister. Don't bow down to me. Let's all worship him. <clears throat> the book, the Bible teaches us about him. He's the one that's, that's worthy to receive all the worship. He's the one. Not us, not me, not Pastor Sharon, Pastor Lester, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Peter, Minister Smith, and Minister Bigger. No, God is the only one. We all worship the same God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we, we worship him not one-dimensional, but multi-dimensional. We have acts of worship, plural. What are our acts of worship? Everything we do is worship. Service to him is worship. Working for people is worship. Everything we do, dealing with our enemies and those who persecute us. And when we pray, it's worship. Everything is worship. When we worship God, we are worshiping his son, Jesus Christ, as well. The book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 2, King James Bible says this saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Look at all those men coming from far, man. They heard about Jesus. When people hear about Jesus, they'll come and worship Jesus. If the spirit of God draw them, but they hear about you, they're going to come to be entertained by you. But their life won't change, be changed by you. Only Jesus, when he's lifted up, when he's worshiped, will change come. That's what he said. You want change, then change. Change who you worship. You know, change your attitude about worship. Get, get a focus on who he is and what he does. And then worship him accordingly. Goes on to say in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 11, King James Bible, it says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. Here's another act of worship. And worship him. They didn't worship Mary like some people are right now. They didn't worship nobody else that was there. And I'm pretty sure there was great elders and other people that are observing this beautiful sight, the, the Christ, the child. But they bowed down and worshiped him. They smothered him with gifts. They came all that distance to see him. When you go to the building, don't go there to see your favorite uh, voice, your favorite group of people that's going to do praise, dance, and mind. Go there, man, looking to meet Jesus there so that we can all worship him with one voice crying out to him. Yeah, we can exalt each other, but remember why we're going to the building, going to the house. It's about him, the God of the house. And we worship him in unity and in harmony, you know, so that he can bless the whole house. He said, when two or three gather together in my name, there I am, there in the midst of them. You got to have at least two or three for him to show up. He goes on to say, and worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, 
they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, that's in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 11, King James Bible. Well, guess what? We don't necessarily do that today. We come and present our living bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God without spot or without wrinkle. All that stuff that you try to relate to what you used to do is just putting wrinkles in your worship. Separate from those traditions. Separate from those old cotton field hymnals. You know, that is not worship. Separate from all that woke. Separate from all that, God, here I am. I'm going through again. God knows that already. He knew this woman's history. He know yours. He know mine. He want us to come away from that. He want, you want change? He said change. You know, you know. Ask me to forgive you of that and move forward and then forgive yourself that you can come and present yourself before me as a living sacrifice back under the old covenant. Let me tell you something about worship. It was about death and sacrifice. They had to kill an animal, cut up the choice portion, scrap it to the altar and set it afire and watch it burn until it was totally consumed. And they were concerned about the smoke that was going up, the fragrance that was going up. Because they knew that they gave God the choicest animals and the choicest portion of the animals that they had. That was what they did ceremonially and traditionally. But then they began to shift away from that and they began to bring God anything, any kind of animal. It was no longer pure. It was no longer ceremonially pure. <clears throat> and the Lord did away with that system and he sent the spotless lamb of God to come and die once and for all and to institute a new and a more excellent way to worship God under the dispensation of grace and truth. And the veil was rent, and we no longer now need one person to go in and offer worship for us and praise for us and sacrifice for us. We now are that sacrifice, and we're living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God without spot and without wrinkle. Get rid of my spots. I changed my mind. I'm thinking about him. That lady had to change what she knew about her, her, her ancestors and where they worshiped and how they worshiped. You know, so we got to change this idea about worship. You know, get away from the traditions. It's hindering some things that God wanted to do. And then in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 33, the King James Bible, he says this Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. Look at what they recognize. <laughs> they in the ship, man, but they recognize, wait a minute, it doesn't matter the place. It doesn't matter where you at. What matters is your attitude when something happens. What do you do? What is your attitude? Is it an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of worship? They were in the ship, and no doubt there was there was some storms about to happen. No doubt there was some other things going on, but they recognized him. They worshiped him. If they knew that there was anybody with power to calm the storm or bring them through the storm, it would be him. Recognize that. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 9, the King James Bible, let's continue this argument about worship. <clears throat> and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. My God, saying, all hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. <laughs> look at that, man. Jesus spoke, and look what happened. What do we do when he speaks? What do we do when we open up the word and we hear the word? What is our reaction? Do we treat it just casual? 
Man, something happened to me when I stood in here to fill up with tears. I'm discovering something new about him every day. And sometimes all I want to do is drop my head on the counter and just cry and begin to be joyful and thank God that I'm saved now, that I have access to learn about him now. And worship just began to pour out of my spirit. It ain't me. It's the Holy Ghost in me. He knows how to respond to God. He knows what my attitude is at that time. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. There's some of you out there that can relate probably to this experience. I was sharing with them this morning about how sometimes I'm downstairs, my wife is upstairs, and I hear her crying out. I hear her pouring out before God. Why we got children and grandchildren, we got friends, we're pastors, and we labor sometimes on the behalf of things that we know about people before God. And I know she's doing it because she's up there reading the word. And I'm down here reading the word. And it turns into worship. You know, it turns into worship that God accepts. Why? Because it's being orchestrated by the spirit of God that's in us. And we're reading the truth. You can't help but to worship God in spirit and in truth. And it's beautiful because you can see the holiness of God right there in the scripture. And we become sanctified by that word because that word is truth. And I'm telling you, man, so that you can, if you're not doing it, you can do the same thing. We don't have no, no copyrights on it. It's available to anybody, whosoever will. You know, he wants you to be able to worship him. But I love their response to Jesus. There was a time in their life, these particular disciples, they doubted him. Now they know too much about him. And they grabbed his feet. They bowed down, man, put their hands on the feet, and they began to worship him. Can you imagine what impact that had on Jesus? Can you imagine how, how the love flowed out of him for them? Because they were finally figuring it out that it's about him, not about them. We got to figure this thing out, y'all. Not about our favorite singer, favorite artist, favorite church, favorite apostle, favorite first lady, elect lady, whoever. It's about him. Keep it about him. In the building, outside of the building, keep it about him. There'll be songs in your heart if you keep it about him. And keep your playlist. Don't go get rid of it. It's important. He goes on to say right here, man, the book of Luke. Um, I'm sorry. In the book of uh, Matthew, again, chapter 28, verse 17, the King James Bible, he says this. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. We know, we know what the scriptures say about Thomas. I don't believe Thomas was the only one that doubted. Thomas had to see some proof. You want to see some proof? I tell people sometimes when they ask me, man, prove that Jesus is who he say is. I say, I don't have to do that. I just have to prove who he is to me. He'll prove to you who he is. You know, he got, he got a way for a method for dealing with doubters. He don't mind revealing himself to you as you go do. Hey, I doubted him at one time because I was traditionally bound and stuck. But when I heard him speak to me, man, back in 1988, 4,500 miles away from my family in another country, first time I'd ever heard that voice, there was no more doubt. I simply said, God, if you get me out of this situation, get back to my family, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And y'all know how long ago that's been. But that God, you got to figure that out for yourself. I figured it out that it was God, and that's the one I worship. I know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice, and another voice, they will not follow. Y'all need to wake up, get familiar with the voice of God, spend some time with them, and stop following all these other voices. There's many of them out there, and we call it worship, but it's not coming from spirit and truth. It's coming from tradition, what we always do, what we always like to hear, what we always sing. 
Go to church to hear him. Don't go to church to hear the singing. Go to church to hear him so you can sing his praises. Goes on to say in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 52, the King James Bible, this is what he said. And they worship him and return to Jerusalem with great joy. He's talking about Jesus here now. He just transitioned from talking about the Father that Jesus worshiped. Now we stand them worshiping Jesus who worshiped the Father. Isn't that amazing? Same God yesterday, they don't change. Worship is the same then, same, should be the same now. Should be the same without music, with music. It doesn't matter. Worship is just worship. But it's all about him, what we worship and who we worship, not the place we worship, not who we worship with. You know, goes on to say here, man, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 10, the King James Bible, still making this case. He says that at the name of Jesus, listen now, every knee should bow in worship of things in heaven, in worship, and things in earth, in worship, and things under the earth, in worship. Did he not tell Satan, you too, Satan, going to worship me? <coughs> hmm? Did he not? Come on. Goes on to say right here, man, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 6, King James Bible. He says, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. He's talking about Jesus. God brought him in this world to be worshipped. God wanted to be worshipped, but he knew he could not be worshipped unless he was worshipped through his son, Jesus. That's why there's no other way to get to the Father. You can come in your prophet's name. You can come in whoever's name. Your first lady, whoever. But he said, look, I gave you my son. Under you, a son was born, a child was, a, a, under you, a child was born, a son was given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of that government that he's going to come and establish, that's my government, meaning my way of doing things. And if you come that way, not as a thief and a robber, any other way, if you come traditionally, you're a thief and a robber. But if you come through Jesus, whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus to the glory of God the Father. He said, that is acceptable worship. That is your reasonable service. That I'll accept. That I'll recognize as worship. There's no other way. Over in the book of Isaiah, I'm sorry, book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 8, King James Bible says this, and when he had taken the book, and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, talking about Jesus now, having every one of them hearts and golden vows full of odors, which are of the prayers of the saints. That's why y'all need to come on and join us at 6 a.m. creating a prayer culture for God. Get you some stuff laid up in your vows and in, in your in your in your senses. They're going up to God. They will come up again. Stop complaining and come on, join us and pray. Wednesday night, our, our prayer. You know, any other time we come on, we always pray. Study the word together, but we pray. But we know those prayers are going up as odors, sweet aromas, fragrance to God. He loves it when we pray. You know, if my people, book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, King James Bible, if my people that are called by my name sound familiar, but humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. That's that worship. Jesus said, I will hear from heaven. I will hear from my Father on your behalf, and I'll forgive your sins and heal your land. You know, sound familiar? You know, that's what he says right there. Those are the prayers of the saints, you know. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because prayer is a form of worship, okay? 
We're going to get into that in just a few minutes here. He says, so worship must be done with a pure attitude as we learned this morning on our creating a prayer culture for God. You know, we prayed this morning. As saints, we pray. That's worship. That's another act of worship. We take all these acts of worship. They make up the whole picture of worship. There's no one piece of the pie. You know, it's a lot more than tradition what we think it is. Uh, again, the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24, King James Bible, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When it comes, amen, when it comes to that subject of worship, what is our act of personal worship? You know, he has revealed to us, uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit that everything we say and do as born again, spirit-filled believers constitutes our acts of worship by him by the spirit without the flesh got to separate those okay let's take creating a proud culture for god's call in an end as an individual act of worship when he gave this to us it was an individual act of worship but it is now grown where you have a group of individuals that are coming together with their acts of worship joining in participating you know in a corporate setting so look at what god has done with it he's increased it so then what is the difference between prayer that is worship, and worship, that is worship. <clears throat> Prayer, this type of worship, it is supplication. You know, it's supplication. Well, worship, that is worship, is adoration. So understand the difference. Prayer as worship is supplication, where we're supplicating, we're lamenting, you know, we're mourning for someone, we're interceding for someone. So it's supplication, you know, we're petitioning for something. On the other hand, worship, that is worship, it is adoration. We're, at, we're adoring him. We're making known our adoration and love toward him. Okay? Prayer is also, the prayer worship is also a request or petitions. Okay? And then on the other hand, worship is thanksgiving for answering our requests and petitions. I hope you're seeing the picture. Also, prayer that is worship, considered worship, is a conversation with God. That's what prayer is. Communicate with God. He communicates back with you. So when you're praying and worshiping God, you got to talk to him. Worship, then, on the, in, in, in sense of worship, is an expression of gratitude for the outcome of the conversation. Now, I hope y'all, you don't need rocket science to understand that. That is real, real simple. Your spiritual acts of worship is what? I'm posing that question to you. What is it? What is it? Individual acts of personal worship begins with learning how to die so that the Holy Spirit can initiate or activate the worship that God expects and is searching for. He's going to and fro seeking someone that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Seeking and searching for that person. In other words, he would rather have the worshiper before he has the worship. He wants you first. Then the Holy Ghost comes inside of us and then the spirit of truth frees us. Now the Holy Ghost can initiate worship in us to the Father. You know, that's why he says spirit and the truth. If I can get you first and put my spirit in you, let him baptize you, let him feel you, let him seal you, let him heal you, let him give you the victory, I will get worship out of you, says God. You know, so understand, you know, real worship is a time and a place of spiritual death so that worship in the spirit and in truth can manifest itself, okay? If you are controlling your worship, listen to me good, it is not in spirit and in truth, but flesh and talent and skill. 
okay, tradition. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to initiate real worship that is in spirit and in truth. Not a worship leader, not the little gay worship leader, you know, not the little twitchy, switchy worship leader, you know, with the little tight pants on, get everybody all excited with the little greasy hair snake back, you know. Don't be confused about that. Do we possess a heart and spirit of worship or for worship? You know, I'm talking about the real stuff now. Worship is not about going to uh, to to so-called so church where we hear a choir sing or a praise team sing or we go to for our favorite song to be heard uh, so we can get our praise on. That's, that's all church language. The church has no life in it without worship. Worship is the breath and life blown into the church so that the church can become a living, breathing organism and not just another popular organization or place together or meet. Do we go to church to do or do we go worship in prayer and study of God's word? Most uh, are just going to church what we must often, uh, what we most often mean is that we will, uh, we will be attending a worship service. We hear that a lot. at other times proclaiming God's word as our worship. Think about what a sweet sound that would be in God's ears and what a sweet savor or a smell that would be in God's nostrils. You know, to hear individuals in a corporate setting actually worshiping God, the same God, not worrying about nobody else. You know, once that happens, that spiritual harmony takes place, God hears one voice crying out to him. You don't hear a whole bunch of what he hears one voice joyful noise being made unto him. One thing I want to clarify about worship as we move today, uh, do consist of scripture lessons and some preach sermons about what God is. Uh, on the other hand, a collection of, of choice of favorite artists and their songs and contemporary music in many churches is acceptable, it's understood, and it can constitute a, a, a slice of worship. Be careful though. When you go to church full of music lovers and leave before the preaching starts, even the others who chase copies of the songs and not the preacher's sermon, nevertheless, a collection of favorite songs and sermons has the potential to fall well short of the kind of worship God is seeking and searching for. He seeks and searches for the worshiper before their worship, before their song. He wants a collection of saved souls that are dead to sin and alive to worshiping him for being their Lord, their Savior, and their God. And that can make a joyful noise unto the Lord afterwards as the new songs they sing from the broken and contrite spirit that God will not despise. Yes, he wants more than our collection of songs 
Many churches have choirs that sing and tear up the church with their powerful voices and lead singers, no doubt about that, but we hardly ever hear a word of prayer before the singing, doing or after the worship. So then, prayer is worship or is worship more than prayer? Well, my take is this. If the church of the individual members of God pray, then when they meet together, worship will occur. We need fellowship. We need to be together in order to pray and worship corporately. But please understand, prayer and worship is much, much more than just a meeting or gathering. We gather to worship. Amen. And this happens just as we gather for prayer to both are required of, uh, of us by God. You know, worship and prayer, worship and worship. Both are required of God that we gather together. You know, we figure out what we need to do. We just so fortunate to have this live Facebook. We have prayer in the mornings, creating a prayer culture for God, so we still can gather together. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, King James Bible said, For Satan, not this stomach up. You say, Why? Because we got to pray and we got to have worship. We got to have it as an individual. Then we got to bring all the individuals, figure out how to bring all the individual worshipers together so we can do a corporate prayer and worship. You know, that's what God wants. You don't want everything that's important to stop just because you ain't in the building. You know, He wants you to find a way where you can still come together and exhort one another. Not tear each other down. Please understand that worship is much more than all of the various pieces that we pull together and call it worship. Worship has a heart, it has a nature, and it has a spirit and truth associated with it, and it is known by everybody. He wants it to be known by everybody so that everybody can worship him in the same spirit and in truth. Not all these other slices and pieces that people call worship. Got everybody confused. Anyone who worship God must have the heart and spirit and truth of worship. In order to worship God, the ways he accepts, inhibits, seeks, and search for. That's what the scripture says. Can't just create this stuff and call it worship. Now when it comes to the early Jews and the Christians, think about them. The extreme levels that they took for their worship uh, to in their celebrations of God was unparalleled at the time. There was nothing compared to it. It was so much reverence. They had really some serious worship. To them, it was just worship. <clears throat> it was a true celebration of God, nothing else, with sacrifices, offerings, exciting festivals, joyful, and a deep level and sense of gladness that took delight in what God meant to them and what God was, 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 is, and what God was about to be in their day. One thing was sure and obvious to everyone participating or observing uh, what was taking place at the time was that the whole focus before them, doing and after, was their worship was to celebrate God. And him only did they worship and bow down and make sacrifices. This is that the prophets of God had spent so much time beforehand making him known to them that were to worship him, how God called for his worship is important. That's what the prophets told them. You can't just throw anything, Cain, traditional uh, voices. He did then by his prophets, psalmists, and apostles 
and by multitudes of Jews and Christians for whom worship is not a duty, but a privilege. I hope y'all hear me. Not a burden, but a delight. Worship gladly celebrates the God whose character is caring and sharing. The God who stands for worship are without conflict, but is with good conduct, acceptable of him and of good taste, and of the highest moral and ethical behavior, and, and is very gracious. All this stuff, we got up in there switching around the pulpit, talking about their worship leader, with these little high-pitched voices. We need to check ourselves. We need to get saved first. Why? He wants the soul of the worshiper. He wants the worshiper before he wants your singing, before he wants your acts of worship. Don't just throw them up there because they got a nice voice and some skills and some talent. They can direct the choir and tear the church apart and get everybody excited. They got to have some godly character. They got to have some morals. They can't be immoral up there, man, away from the church, down low, and then come into church and up high. Hey, shaka, shaka. I know you don't want to hear it. But God wants the house clean so worship can happen. He wants worship to be spirit and in truth, directed by the spirit of God and truth. Right now, I don't know who is directed by. I'm just saying. I believe and therefore present to you all this morning that God is concerned about the nature of our worship and the magnificence and the extraordinary and infinite forms of worship and glorious. He wants it to be glorious because he is the essence of all that is love, wisdom, and the, the, the sources of all that is good and true. That's worshiping that's what we worship don't worship people we don't sing for people and two people in the church we don't sit in the seat of the scornful and call it righteousness you know he said all that stuff gonna fade away anyway it's gonna wither away anyway but see if it's true worship it'll last it'll go beyond the music it'll go beyond Okay, worship, okay, is not positive thinking, but it's victory thinking because of what you worship and who you worship. God has already given us the victory according to the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse uh, 57. He's already given us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one that we worship just like we worship God. So you got to have victory thinking. You can't fight for the position, fight from the position of victory, worship from the position of victory. Worship is sometimes fighting, breaking through. Just like we fight. Worship is one of the things we do to fight for our victory. And he says, so it ain't positive thinking, but it's victory thinking that leads to, uh, you know, victory speaking. That woman spoke victory when she left that well, you know. And the result was she left there with a victorious life. She was no longer free. I mean, no longer bound by the shame of all those five husbands she had. She was not free because she had drank from that living water. Her life was never going to be the same. She was never going to thirst again. She was free. And she went and told everybody. It is that time and that place of offering a living sacrifice to God, being the God of our worship. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's what he is. Okay. He's the God of our worship. And he wants us to worship him and in spirit and in truth.
the books of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, this is our moving close. It says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. No more animals. A living sacrifice. You who he wants. He wants you to worship. Holy. Consecrated. Separated. Come out from among the world. Come out from among those traditions. Be ye separate. You know. Be ye separated. Come out. You have to do that. You have to change if you want change. You know. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't get caught up in what the world calls worship because it makes you feel good and has to stand up on your arms. Come and bow at the feet of Jesus and begin to worship him. You know, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. And he said, and be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I hope something is renewing your mind that's being said right now about worship. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's too much competition now. This choir against that choir. Everybody trying to sing everybody. You got to have these anniversaries now with the choir and all of that. And you get all of them together and they start singing. And then they talk about each other. And they talk about how you're dressed and all that. They, they can't even fellowship together. You got them sitting over there on that side and them sitting over there on that side and them over there on that side. Some sit outside in the parking lot smoking cigarettes and wait for their time to come in and sing. You know, just, it's just no unity. It's just, you know, no harmony there. Everybody just waiting on their time to come up and sing. And we call that worship. We call that worship. Everybody come to these singers so the choir can sing to them. You know, and you got all this division sitting in the seat of the scornful, you know. And God wants all of us in the body to be one voice crying out to him. Too much competition. Too much competition. You know, trying to outperform each other, outsing each other. Girl, you know you took that song up. Yeah, I just did that because so sister so-and-so over there thinks she can outsing me. I showed him, didn't I? See, I know what God, I know the gift God then gave me. All this stuff going on and calling it worship. And God is saying, no, I don't want choirs to sing to the church. I don't want choirs to sing for the church. I want the church to be the one voice worshiping me, the one God. I want you to grab my feet and bow down and worship me. I want you to be contrite because a contrite spirit and a broken heart, I will not despise. That's the kind of worship I'm looking for. I'm lo looking for the worship so that I can put my spirit and my truth in them, sanctify them, consecrate them, separate them, anoint them so that worship can begin in that living sacrifice that has presented itself to me without spot and without room. That's what he's calling for. You know, don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and accepted and perfect will of God. You know, that's what he's looking for. The book of Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, King James Bible says this, but Christ being come as a high priest, of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves anymore, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having ordained or obtained eternal redemption for us. That's why we worship him. That's what he did. That's what we worship, the redeemer, you know, the redeemer. The Redeemer, now that we are in Christ through faith, the only acceptable worship is to offer ourselves completely to the Lord. The book of Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 says this as we close. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God 
as those that are alive from the dead and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. That's in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 through 13, the King James Bible. And we know what Romans 6 and 23 says. It talks about the ways of sin, the gift is, 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 you know, is death, the gift of God's eternal life. It tells us that. You, know, you can read on, and, and, and that's right there. It jumps out at you. you know, even in the book, uh, the book of First uh, John, chapter 2, you know, verses 15 through 17, the King James Bible. Listen to what it says. Be not conformed to the things of this world. We just read that. It says this. The Bible clearly defines what is meant by the world and reiterates the importance of not being conformed to this world, okay? It says, love not the world, and neither the things that are in this world. There's a lot going on out there right now that's called worship. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If any man love tradition, you know, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. What is God's will? That we worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we're going to end right there. Amen. Uh, book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 8, King James Bible says this again. The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. But I love Jesus. But Jesus resisted the devil. And we too must follow his example and in the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the lust of the eye. You know, Jesus saw these things, but he did not take his focus off of the Father. He did not take his focus off of what the prize was. You know, he didn't let the pride of life come in. He didn't let the lust of the flesh get him caught all up. He didn't let the lust of the eye get him caught all up. We can't afford to do that either. God is calling us to a higher standard. You know, he don't want us conformed, but he want our minds renewed. Amen. And he says this, Second book of Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Okay? Our thinking must change from old, ungodly ways of thinking into new ways, godly ways of thinking. That only way to replace our worldly minds is by replacing it with God's truth, the word of God. The only infallible source of God's truth is, uh, is his revealed word, the Bible, the book of truth. We must fill our minds with God's word if we're going to worship God. The book of John chapter 17, verse 7 says this in the King James Bible. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, Father. You know, that's Jesus telling him about his disciples because he made it known to him. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, and he says, we also need the help of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds so that we can really worship God. The book of Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, the King James Bible says this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And so God wants to save us. And that's what Paul is telling us here. He's telling us that God wants to save us, not because of our works that we've done uh, 
you know, by, by works of righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit renews our mind. And it is first and decisively his work. We are totally dependent on him and our efforts allow or follow his initiative, enabling us to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit also enables us to renew our minds when it comes down to worship by enabling us to behold the glory of the Father, as we see in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with open faces, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In order to worship God in spirit and in truth, we must endure this change. Book of Corinthians chapter 4, verse 40, King James Bible says this. Is there a case, just in case the God of this world being Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. By the Holy Spirit's help, he helps us truly see the light of the gospel is what will renew our minds and transform the life and produce an unending spirit of worship in God's people. And so it all begins right here today. If you willingly confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And once you're saved, God sees you now as a worshiper. And now he'll accept your worship. He wants the worshiper first, and then he wants your worship next. And in between, he wants you to have his spirit in you and the truth in you so that you can worship God in spirit and in truth. What are your personal acts of worship today? You know, you have to be familiar. You have to know. And they should be many. They should not just be one thing you do. What do your hands do? That's worship. How do you think? That's worship. How do you speak? How do you conversate? All of this is worship. How you deal with your enemy, those who persecute you, how you relate to family members, how you relate to everything that's out here in life that pertains to life and God is an act of worship to God. And your act should not be just one slice of the piece of the pie, how you sing, but it should be how you live. And so I want to offer you this opportunity right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he wants to know you. He wants to make you a worshiper. He already knows about everything that we've ever done, just like the woman at the well. You know, just like when Noah was preaching, he knew that they were still giving in marriage, drinking in riots. But God knew that when he saved Noah and those eight people, what they were going to do when they finally got to that resting place. He knows already who's going to worship him in spirit and in truth. He knows already. And he's still today offering that opportunity for us to become his worshipers, that we can really worship him the way he desires to be worshipped. This stuff we're doing right now based on tradition, you know, Got our favorite this, our favorite that, our favorite song and all that. Yeah, that's that's a slice of it. That's a small portion of it. But what about all the other acts of worship that are required? Without the Spirit of God, it cannot happen. And so the Bible says this, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, then you can be saved. You know, with the mouth, you know, confession is made under salvation. With the heart, man believes under righteousness. It's just that simple. Is anybody who called on his name, they don't care if you're a Jew or Greek, the Jews, man, they had they had the first system. They had those, those first Jewish Christians. They knew how to worship God ceremony, but they blew that up. You know, they contaminated that. I think that's the same thing going on today. There's so much abuse and substitution and, and, and other things that we call worship that need to be filtered out. It need to be scrubbed clean. 
We need to learn what is important it is to bow down and grab God's feet and worship him at his feet. Each, every, each and every individual. He said, a broken heart and contrite spirit I will not despise. And because we don't know him and recognize who he is and what he is, therefore we don't worship him. We worship what we know and what we think, just like the woman. She told Jesus, that's where my folks worship. That's how they worship. And we worship a lot of time based on how our folks worship and not based on how God wants us to worship. And so hopefully you've heard something today that have inspired something in you right now that says that I want to change and then change. Think about what happens if you don't have music. Will I still bow down and grab the feet of Jesus and worship him? Because I know who he is. I know what he is. I know what he can do. I know he's the only one I, that can save me, forgive me of my sins, and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness, and fill me with his precious gifts of the Holy Ghost. Seal me, heal me, and give me victory. That's what he wants today. And so if you'll pray with me right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, as we come to the close of this session, we thank you, Lord, for how you've spoken to our hearts today. We thank you how you've invested in us becoming your worshipers. You want men and women, boys and girls, young and old. You want people that will worship you and worship you in spirit and in truth, in the beauty of holiness. You want a consecrated, separated, sanctified, anointed people that's in the world but know they're not of the world, that recognize you, recognize your voice, recognize that that time that you want, that intimate time that you want for each and every one of us to spend that time with you, that when we come together, that we come together and commune and fellowship, break bread and continue in prayer, which is a form of worship and supplicate for each other. But we also come to make known to you our adoration and love each and every day. Father, we just thank and praise you right now for that young man, that young woman, that, 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 that father, that, that mother, that, that grandparent, that person that's out there, seniors, that whoever they might be, that's out there, that heard this message today. We pray that something is stirring in their heart right now, that some area where they were lacking, where they could have worshiped you, but they didn't because they thought worship was something else. And so, Father, we're praying today that you've expanded uh, our exploratory vision of worship today. And we're understanding now that everything we do is worship unto the Father, worship unto the Son. And we want to be able to worship you today as we leave this line without music. We want to be able to block out and have that quality time, whether it's sitting in the car in a private place at a lake, or whether it's just sitting, Lord God, sometimes in the quiet confines of my house, in the dark, thinking about you, keeping my mind on you, God having that intimate time with you that I might grow in my personal individual acts of worship towards you. That Father, when I come together with my brothers and sisters, I'm able to exhort each other because our focus is on you and we're not coming together, Lord, to sing our favorite song or to hear our favorite song or to have it sung to us, but we're coming together to be a part of one voice that will cry out to you because we understand you don't want us to sing for each other, to each other. You want all of us to be one voice singing to you in spiritual harmony. That's the kind of worship, God, that you're seeking for. Not the place, but the what and the who. And so we give you praise, glory, and honor today, God. Thank you for souls being saved right now. Thank you for men and women right now repenting of their sins and turning away from this world, turning away from the lust of the eye, the pride of life, turning away from the lust of the flesh right now and being renewed by this word today in their minds, God. So, Father, we give you the praise, glory, and honor for it right now. Now let your word go out, fall on good ground, and never come back, Lord. We thank you for it now, God, that it'll do what you please, the perfect what you sent it. We did find your word concerning worship, and we did eat your word, and your word now has become a joy to rejoice into our hearts and to our minds. We give you all the praise. I thank you for now the new worship that will worship you in spirit and in truth as a result of hearing this word today. 
We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Now seal it in our hearts, Lord. And we thank you for the fruit of it right now. In Jesus' name, take our worship to another level that it will please you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. All right, then. Well, I'm finished. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank all of you today for chiming in, participating. Amen. Pray that it's been a blessing to you today. Thank God. You know, amen. Uh, my wife, Pastor Sharon, I just want the best for you. Amen. Just want to be able to speak into your life. Just want to be able to share what God has given us to share. And again, join us every morning at 6 a.m. Creating a Prayer Culture for God. Come back on Wednesday night, Our Power Prayer. Come back on Thursday night, 7.30 on both of those nights for a wisdom call and Bible study and prayer. Amen. We're praying, people. Amen. Because we believe little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. Amen. We believe it's all a part of worship. Amen. Prayer and worship go together. Prayer and the word go together. Worship and the word go together. All that we do for God is worship. Everything we do is worship. And so, amen. Let's take this and run with it. Share it. Again, that number is 712-775-7085. Access code 123-218-POUND and you in. We love to see you now. Go check out the podcast. Amen. Share this. Pass it on to others. And come on, check us out and join us. We love to have you. God bless you. We love you. This ends the service on today. Amen. God bless. Go in peace. Go in peace.